You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I'm uh, one of your co-hosts on this episode, Dr. Mike Brazier, and we have a pretty rare opportunity here. Maybe it, it might be less rare going forward, but I'm joined in, st- in studio by my co-host, Katie Burke. Hey, Katie, how are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? Doing well. And then Chris Jennings, co-host over here. How you doing, Chris? Hey, Mike. <laughs> Don't point at me. <laughs> we, uh, we did a November wrap-up, or roundup, I guess we called it, last month, uh, just sort of an experiment to see how that went, and uh, it seemed like people liked it. So I got a couple of comments, like, yeah, enjoyed the, the, the type of snippets of information, little updates that we provide on some of the things that we've been doing, some of the things that are happening in the waterfowl conservation, waterfowl hunting, um, I guess, field out there, the landscape. And so we're here in December. And this was about the last day that the three of us are going to be in the office together. Uh, John Gordon, our other kind of comrade on the podcast, is out. He's been out for like, feels like six months, Uh, chasing down stories and chasing ducks and and collecting video and doing all sorts of stuff. So John's not able to be with us today, but the three of us are here and we've got a few updates for, for you, just telling you about some of the things that we've been doing, some of the things coming up. And I guess, Katie, it'll start with you. You weren't on the episode previously when Chris and I were together. And I know, I think at that time, you might have actually been in Easton. Or I was, back from yeah. That. So that was sort of a trip that you went on related to podcast content, maybe also some museum stuff. Give us a bit of recap. Yeah, there. so I did a few things. Um, some episodes that will come out that'll be pretty cool. We, um, Well, I got to randomly, even though he lives like two hours from us, I met up with Logan Webster of Camo Retro there, and we got an episode going out with him. I did an exhibit with him probably about six months ago. It's still in the museum. Um, At the uh, Bass Pro, the Heritage Heritage Center. And it's all like... DU sponsored camo. So what camo uh, retro? Give so us camo retro is the easiest way I can describe it is like the posh mark of camo clothing. So you can consign vintage camo clothing and so buy re- it. Kind of recycled there. stuff. Yeah. Yes. And um, and Logan started that I think when he was in college and basically has made a career out of it, which is crazy. Um, but we caught up with him there. Got a podcast episode with him. And then um, just kind of enjoyed the festival. Uh, One thing that's part of the festival that I go to a lot is I go to a lot of decoy auctions because that's where you find collectors. 
And I meet with collectors, get them for the podcast or work with them on future exhibits for the museum. Just kind of different things. Um, just kind of more of a, uh, I guess, a socializing sort of situation. Um, but John, D- uh, Guyette and Dieter auction firm has an auction. This year, well, used to be before the, the festival. This year, it was during the festival. So I went to the auction, went to the stuff around that to kind of talk to collectors and things like that, work on some possible exhibits for the museum, got a couple leads. So this wasn't your first rodeo, so to speak, there? It was my first time at Easton. Really? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was... It kind of had seaweed vibes, if you've been to seaweed you gotta, in Charleston. You got to spell that so out. So, Southeastern... Southeastern Wildlife, Wildlife Expo. Wildlife Expo, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It yeah. has the same kind of feel as that in Charleston, except this is waterfowl-only focused. It's in a very small town, unlike Charleston. Easton, Maryland is small. So, it's it's got a, a much more intimate, waterfowl-only, kind of old-school vibe and they have all the same things any expo would have, except they do have a lot more vintage stuff and a mm-hmm. lot more collectors. But like, I think I, I ate a lot of oysters. Like everywhere That's you went, nice there perk. was fresh yeah. oysters. So um, it was cool. It was really fun. Charbroiled, charbroiled, raw. What's your Mostly preference? Mostly raw. Yep. I prefer raw, but okay. they had a variety. But I yeah. don't think they really do the charbroiled thing up do there. Do they not? They do, they do uh, steamed oysters. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mostly it was raw with like, my favorite is like raw with a, like a minuet, like our, yeah, like yeah. sauce on it. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to go. Bad idea to be talking about this stuff right now. It's late in the day. <laughs> I'm going to get hungry. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. It was a cool festival. And then after, so the Eastern Shore um, is kind of riddled with decoy carvers, right? They're yep. all over the place. They is that live, sort of the hotbed? Is that like the epicenter of it is. decoy carving? It is. Yeah. If I kind of from, they, it has, there's certain spots, but that is definitely a hot spot right there on the Eastern shore um, of Maryland, Virginia, that little peninsula that snakes down. You have a ton of carvers that live there. Um, and the thing that's cool about that is they're, really welcoming to people to come out and visit them. Um, They like to have people come and sit in their shops and talk to them. Um, You don't have to be a podcast host to show up. And they're actively selling their their decoys? How much of that happens? No, they just like to talk about what they do. Um, You know, they'll take... Some of these guys are pretty old and been carving for a long time. They don't take that many commissions anymore. So... You, they will sell some. They'll, they'll bring some to the festival, and they're like, like I saw Pete Peterson. He walked in with two in his hand, and he was like, "When I leave, I won't have these." So like he just like walks around, and somebody buys them. Are there but any young carvers? There are, yeah, and they're becoming more and more pro. Like there's starting to be more and more of them. It's definitely um, an age gap. Like there's, I would say the majority of them currently are like. Like the the older ones that are like in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And then there's a few, like I can only think of a couple that are like 40, 50. Scott Stevens. Yeah. And then there's yeah. a, a big jump Chris to like Nikolai. 30. Yeah. But then there's a big jump, like a 30-year jump until there's a lot more in their like late 20s, 30s, what, early 30s. What's behind that? I don't know. That's a really good question. And I talked to I them about it. I try to, it. I try to um, only bring good questions. <laughs> so I try to talk <laughs> to them about it. And, you know, these guys are, they're modest. They don't like 
to say, you know, that kind of thing. And But I guess it's just interest, um, you know, but they're very willing to teach people. Hmm. So if you want to learn about carving, show up at these guys' shops. Yeah, so do you think it, you. do you think they've, the, the carvers that have been around for so long or, obviously you get to the point where you, you recognize your mortality, right? Do you think that they see the fading of that, of that tradition and that have they been more, more involved in trying to mentor people, trying to, trying to pass that on? Yes and no. Um, yes. If you show up and you show interest and your interest is not, you know, passing, yeah. like if they, if they don't think that your interest is genuine, they're not going to waste their time, their time yeah, on you. Yeah. But if they think that you are really interested and you really care and you really want to do it, then they'll help you. Because, yeah, they, I mean, they don't want to waste their time on somebody that's just, you know, they learn the same way. It's very much a past tradition. But I got to go to a couple guys' shops while I was there, and I interviewed them for the podcast, which those will come out. Yep. And they were cool. Like, we did them in their shops, which was fun. And I wish we had video because, like, they would, we'd sit there and they'd, like, pull a decoy off the shelf and then tell me about it and how it happened and where it's from and where they hunted it. And, and so the Camo cool. Retro exhibit yep. is is at the Waterfowling yep. Heritage Center now. Y'all can go go check that out. Uh, you also, while you were there, you got a chance to go uh, striper fishing. Went striper was- fishing. So I did some DU Nation stuff or John's thing and we went striper fishing. We also went hunting. Uh-huh. We, but we were nervous that the hunting the hunting wasn't going to be good. Yeah. So we had striper fishing. Duck to hunting. Kind of, duck hunting. Hunting. Okay. Duck hunting. Yeah. And to kind of cushion that and end up both being really good. So got a good striper the, fish and good I, duck hunt. I saw some of the videos from you on the boat uh, catching striped bass. I, I've never done that. It looked fun, though. It was super fun. Those are rockfish out there? Well, they called them stripers. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, man. Where I lived but, in Virginia, then, it was like then, rockfish. I went I'm with not John getting Dieter. in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I went with John Dieter, though, and he's from Ohio. So oh, okay. maybe. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea. I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure. I'll I didn't live there, there long, but I'm pretty sure they <laughs> referred no to them as rockfish. The weird thing is uh, the hunt, like, I was really excited to duck hunt there because that you know, black ducks in Mississippi are like a dime a dozen, man. You never get a black duck. I was like, oh, yes, we're going to hunt on the eastern shore. I get to kill a black duck. I killed gadwall the whole <laughs> that's what we No killed. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a record number of gadwall mm. for that club. It's been a long time since I've killed a black duck in Mississippi. I used to. We used to, used to be way, way, way more common. But uh, so goes the story about kind of changing distributions of w- waterfowl harvest. Um, that's certainly an example of a species where we've seen some changes there. Uh, what do you have coming up next, Katie? Anything? Yeah, we got an exhibit change. So um, Doug Lodemeyer's Minnesota collection is headed. Well, actually, I took it out Monday. We're doing something a little, we're still a call collection going in, but for like the last five years, I've done like a state and a focus. And then this one is more of a general. So I'll have a little bit of everything. Do you need my call collection again? (laughs) Is that a collection? The space filler? Is that that a collection? I mean, how many calls do you have? It's been on a display at a museum. It's all on hey, actually, it has a Wait, pedigree. <laughs> your your office is a museum? No, it was at the is at the <laughs> museum. It was. Yeah, I had was to have really? a filler collection, uh, but um, no, this one's coming in on Friday, mm, so you can okay. actually see it yeah. as soon as this weekend. Right. How many of those calls have you personally bought? Mm, That's a good question. How many calls are we talking about? There's got to be 150. Oh, I bet there's 300. 300. Yeah, because I didn't even yeah. take all of them. Yeah. I've probably bought 50. Okay, but I don't buy them like. Like a lot of my collection is like 
old calls that I used to use. Yeah. You know, I don't really buy them to collect them. I, I guess I just, I either get them from someone, like someone will come in my, like... Uh, right, the ones in your office, the 300 in your office or how many of the are. Yeah, you don't do that because you collect them, right? Yeah. You just... No, I mean, and that's what, you know, someone will show up and be like, hey, here's a Michigan call and here's one from Minnesota. And I'm like, oh, cool. And so I just put it on the shelf. Well, I have done that for 15 years now. Yeah. And so people know, like guys in the mailroom will come in and be like, hey, we found this call in the warehouse here, add it to your collection. <laughs> so and am so, I the only one that comes in there and pilfers through your calls and says, which one of these can I have? Yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I get some companies send them, you know, for yeah. magazine review. And so I have some, you know, calls that I've gotten that way. I've got some R&T calls that way and uh, uh, and some other you different... You got your zinc calls that way too, yep, didn't you? zinc calls. Um, I've got a bunch of Powers calls right now. I like those. But... Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, I was just always joke whenever she's talking about the museum. I'm like, oh, yeah, you need my call collection. <laughs> you know, I got flack for that. All these you decoy did? collectors were like, what was that shitty collection? What? The museum? <laughs> I, should go, I should just go in there and just rip all their decoys. I didn't rip any of their crappy stuff. God. For the record, I haven't taken any of the calls from Chris's office slash don't backpedal now i haven't we got a video camera on i have now. looked at them i have looked and i have picked up several and i was about to but and you would have let me i, yeah, I, I would, I would not i would not there, swipe didn't. one without even knowing that's not one of those collections where it's something that's like a you know priceless no it's modern it's very modern, very modern. I, i'm kind of surprised you've purchased 50 duck calls in your life oh yeah i have not i probably, I probably purchased more than that i'm at the 20 25 mark probably I've but, purchased a big fat zero. What? I don't even call. I mean, I can call, but I never call. Yeah. I didn't learn to call till I took this job. Who is the, your dad, the yeah, caller? And yeah, and my brother. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you don't have to, right? No. Uh, we didn't grow up, the, growing up, the person that called in our little hunting party was a friend of our, friend of my dad's, Dwight Clark was his name, and um, he was the one that called. My dad didn't call. My brother started learning how to call, but then he kind of got out of duck hunting, and it wasn't until... Yeah, I guess I, I, hmm, my late teen years where I, when I started calling, still not very good. I wood can ducks. tell you if you're bad. Wood, wood ducks. <laughs> wood ducks. <laughs> call did, wood ducks. I did, have a, I did have a wood duck call. All right. Yeah. You're good. So you're calling um, ducks. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's about it for me. All right. And any big plans for Christmas? Sticking around locally? No, you're going going to... Uh, no, we stay here. Do you? Okay. Well, right. duck hunt, hopefully, if there's ducks. That was one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. There was something as we get close to duck season I wanted to talk to you about. Chris, you've been... What have you been doing? Nothing. Nothing? Just hanging out. No, uh, <laughs> excited about the pintail species that profile right. episode that through. you and we I did. That That'll be good. Dr. Scott, do, do we say? I guess we yeah, can now. Dr. Well. Scott Spoiler like, alert. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that'll be a good podcast. I enjoyed, that was a long conversation. I'm going to think. An hour, close to an hour 40, I think. Yeah, it was a long one, but it was very detailed, very pin we left out some stuff. Yeah, yeah, you guys were both like, we should do this again for this. I'm like, man, that was really long. Yeah, that's. Uh, but it was all good up. information. Um, really just kind of hitting on the migration alert. We're getting ready to finalize the Jan Feb issue of the magazine. So that goes out next week. And from there, you know, we're really ramped up. We're at like kind of the peak of the migration alert season where, you know, we did California. We did Washington last week. Um, out west seems to be going pretty good. Pacific Flyway. Um, got some water when they needed it. Got too much water in some areas, uh, sounds like. Kind of going west to east. Did a bunch of Central Flyway, Nebraska. Um, South Dakota did a migration update, a podcast with uh, Pullman last week. You know, that's, that is a... 
you know, nonstop conversation, mm. especially in Mississippi where Katie not, hunts. Not, yeah. About where are the mallards? And yeah. We've kind of had, we've touched on that several times. It's an interesting conversation. There's Did a, you figure it out? I, <laughs> there's still a lot of mallards up north, <laughs> right. you know, and that's coming, you know, straight from people in Canada yeah. and, you and know, I've, North Dakota warmed up after they got that first shot. It's um, just, it's crazy. And I see some of the reports on the migration map nowadays and get to see some of that more than I used to. And yeah, Alberta, Saskatchewan folks talk and Idaho still talking about mallards showing up. What in the world? Hopefully that all comes to the end right before Christmas. I hope so. That's uh, everyone's kind of keeping their fingers I mean, it crossed. It is a El Nino year. It's what we were kind of expecting, warmer than normal up in some of those uh, northern latitude regions. We're waiting on the uh, we're waiting on the 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 moisture, the higher than average moisture down here in the southern portion of the flyway. That's yeah. a typical pattern. Not always doesn't always happen, but typical. We need some. Yeah, still needs a lot, especially Mississippi, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, they've remained really dry. Um, Arkansas got some, but needs more. Yep. Um, should get some this coming weekend. But yeah, I mean, even in the Eastern Shore, I mean, that was kind of the topic out there. You know, the migration alert we did there last week talked about is dry, you know, and they've gotten some water. It's been a little better, but the hunting has not been bad out there for a lot of people. A lot of positive reports. And really, even further south in the North Carolina, they'll reopen, I think, don't quote me on this here, this coming weekend. Um, but they need some water, too. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, overall, you know, reports coming out, especially with, like, Canada geese. Canada goose hunting in the Midwest, upper Midwest, has been fantastic. Um, that's really? all reports yeah, that we're that hearing. Okay. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, it's been really good. Any reports on, uh, and I don't know, yeah, in, any idea on, like productivity from Canada geese this year? Do you get in that kind of conversation when you're hearing those reports? No, not with these. I mean, these are really kind of focused on hunting and habitat in the fall. Yeah. Um, it's really fall migration and, and wintering focused. Um, but, you know, talking to Jay Anglin, who does our, you know, habitat and hunting podcast for the Great Lakes, um, he's up there in northern Indiana. He's been doing really well. They've been getting, you know, several good reports. Everything seems to be just like two weeks later than yeah. it was last year. Two weeks to 10 days, that seems to be about the time frame. But, you know, Jay's talking about the hunting really good up there in northern Indiana, Michigan, where he goes. But it's it kind of slowed down on the duck side. But the, the Canada goose and, and even specks up there in northern Indiana have been no really, way. pretty yeah. good. Hmm. So, yeah. yep. I was out in Mississippi earlier. No, I guess it was last weekend, which had been early December. And heard specks flying over, heard snow geese flying over. I think I texted mm -hmm. you all day. And then it got back to, to Tennessee and heard snow geese flying over the house again. You know, Big north wind. Um, was it north wind that day? Probably. I, I think, think we're was. just on the yeah. tail end of it. Yeah. Yeah. What about... What are, you hear, what are you hearing out west? California, the reports that I was seeing and hearing, I mean, November is always slow, mm -hmm. typically. The always slump, slow. They, you it, know, even in the alert, uh, Peter Otteson, who writes so What do they call it? Slowvember? Like a... Matt Kaminsky is He's just slow referred to it as a November slump. Yeah, I think I saw that, but I think Kaminsky, Matt Kaminsky has called it Slowvember. Slow, but yeah, and it got <laughs> slow for a lot of people, yeah. and uh, it's kind of picked up. You know, the alert that we had, it just mentioned that uh, they picked up green wings yeah. in... Just important bird in, the, bird in the bag out there. Absolutely. Sure. But they picked them up in a big way yeah. just within the last week. And so I think everyone's kind of keying in on that. 
um, seven green wings in the bag, that's that's not a bad shoot. No. I'd take that all day long. Yeah. So, but also, you know, numbers, really, really strong goose numbers. You got snows and specks out there. Pretty awesome. You can shoot 30 total birds, 20 white geese, and 10 darks. So, uh, again, don't quote me on these regulations, but <laughs> I'm sure there's some variation of that. But that, that probably keeps hunters fairly busy. Yeah. yeah. That is something that, I mean, I find myself backpedaling on a lot whenever I start to make a com- make a comment about mm-hmm. season oh, opening yeah. dates oh, yeah. or regulations or whatever and then not knowing when a person's listening or where they're listening yeah. from it's like no nope, you got to go mm-hmm. double check no the only check. one I know for sure is Mississippi <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah. Uh, I got, I got Arkansas that's yeah. it. <laughs> that Pacific Northwest when we're recording this they're like in the middle of some big atmospheric river I've been watching the weather channel like tons of rain mm-hmm. coming to parts of that part of the country. It'd be be interesting to see how that influences the distribution of ducks out there. I really don't have a good read on that. Yeah, we'll have a couple more Pacific Flyway, um, especially Pacific Northwest alerts coming up in the next few weeks. Um, yeah. That's a that's a really popular area for hunters, so we key in on that and do multiple. There's some areas where we only do probably one throughout the season where that area we do multiple. I have a dedicated freelancer just for the Pacific Northwest. So. Cool. Like yep. dedicated and really gets the job done, or that's the only thing he does? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> little okay, bit of both. all right. We appreciate yeah. all the work you bring to us. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sports. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Typically, by this time of year, you've gone on a trip, let's say up to the north or something, some product review or product mm-hmm. testing or something for a feature in the magazine. Have you done anything like that this year? Uh, no, we had a Canada trip canceled in September. Or actually, it would have been like first week of October. Uh, I did do a magazine hunt with Stoger uh, okay. and Kent. Where uh, was that? That was in Arkansas. That was a, and we did it, it was an early spec hunt. And that was good times, pretty good shoot. Birds weren't super cooperative, but uh, we managed to, to bag quite a few. Um, just They just weren't setting up right. But yeah. And, and so you when did those type of, of features come out? Would that be out like next fall? It'll be next fall. Really the, yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll do some social stuff. We've still got some of that in the bag that uh, we'll do some social media stuff, just kind of some breakdowns of some of the equipment. In general, the editorial like that, you know, it's tough to... Do a hunt, get it. I mean, I think we hunted like the last day of the spec season. So, um, you know, the turnaround time on that is is a lot longer than what most people think. So, what what did you see in terms of specs? In terms of, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of read you have on this, but in terms of um, juvenile to adult kind of index, mm, uh, we hard? probably shot a majority juvenile really on yeah. that hunt. Now, other guys I've talked to have shot you know, quite a few adults, especially once the season opened, yeah. the regular duck season opened. Um, guys are shooting a few more adults. But overall, I mean, it's 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 probably a mix, I would say. Uh, but it's tough to get a read on that after two or three hunts. It is. And I haven't seen any data from, from up in Canada this year. Typically, 
I think typically by this time we get some of that. We get some data from from there. They do some um, surveys on some staging areas up there, don't they? Well, what I know is that most recently, the past few years, they've been doing some like roadside surveys in Manitoba, Saskatchewan. I'm not sure if they get over into Alberta, scanning flocks of geese and recording the number of of adults to juveniles, and that gives them number of juveniles to adults gives them an index of production. I haven't seen those data yet. I don't know who's, I guess Frank Baldwin uh, would probably be with CWS, would probably be the one working on that this year. But maybe I can get in touch with him. But I guess the reason I ask that and, and kind of go there is that I've heard a number of people talking about, I mean, their their impression is that there's a larger than normal, if you consider normal being the past few years, juveniles in the flock that they've been seeing, which would indicate good production this year. We know that spring in some of those central Arctic areas was early. Uh, it was really wet too. It was, it? it was early and wet. It was my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, is it was so early. And by early, I mean it warmed up quickly. It prevented some of the researchers from getting into some of their field sites, mm-hmm. them, some of those long-term snow goose colony sites. Uh, so they couldn't get there on the ground this year. Um, and then the other, the other part of that equation that you need is for those birds to be able to fledge before any kind of um, severe harsh winter and like uh, inclement weather comes in and, mm-hmm. and kills the the goslings but maybe this was a year where things lined up and, and you know we, we knew the potential was there like for the past six or seven years we've been talking about very low production indices from from light geese in the mid-continent maybe this is a different year yeah i have a better read on that in february once the actual snow goose season yeah. starts and in the hunters that i know who are really focused on that especially in texas louisiana arkansas you know, I'll get that phone call like we killed 400 and it was almost yeah. all juvies. You know, like, and then a couple of years ago it was, we can't decoy anything. And that yeah. gives you a pretty good indication yeah. <laughs> that there's not a whole lot of juvies out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that. I think that, I think you're right. That's what I'm hearing is that it seems like they had a pretty good hatch. But again, I don't have any scientific data to back that up. Uh, what's on the next, on the calendar for the next few weeks for you? You're not going to be around the office very much, I know. I'm not. We're working on a magazine feature for next year, so I'll be out all next week. Um, you can't tell us about that right now, can you? No, I can't. That's uh, yeah, that's a stay tuned. Yeah, that's a stay tuned. We'll probably do a podcast episode on it once we release it. But uh, it's a cool gear feature that I think people will get into. You know, the past couple of years we've done, we did the duck boat, the yep. ultimate duck boat. Then we did the side by sides. Yep. And this is going to be another element to that, but just a a different type of product. Okay. So. Uh, we're doing that all next week, and that'll be that'll be a good time. All right. What else? I think that's it. Getting ready for Christmas. Probably going to spend some more some additional time hunting. I mean, Did I've I get only... you my Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> pa- passed it along. <laughs> got it. All right. So I, I was going to ask you a couple things. You know, sure. one of the big things that's now popping up once again. We're hearing about around the office yep. and around social media is the uh, avian influenza. Yes. We're starting to hear a lot more of that in Arkansas, impacting snow geese, even to the point where you actually went and picked a dead snow goose up off of the highway. Today. Today. That's right. right. Do you think that that is a potential avian influenza, or do you think that one just got lost and landed on the highway and got hit? 
Uh, I do not think it got hit. There was no evidence of like blunt force trauma, no blood or anything of that nature. If it had been hit by a car going down Walnut Grove Road, I, you'd think you'd, yeah. you'd see some indication of that. So I got a, a text message from Derek Christians with Campus Waterfowl here in headquarters. Um, I guess it was around 1130. It's just a photo of a dead juvenile snow goose on the side of a major sort of road coming through Memphis and... He's like, just saw this on the way into work or something like that. And and so I'm immediately like, well, where is, you know, uh, what did I ask him? I asked him if he, I, I mean, I assumed that he was still there, but he wasn't. He was back at the, it turned out he had actually taken that photo at 830 and he had gotten distracted and three hours later he shared with me. So, uh, <laughs> gosh, Derek, Jeez. come on. <laughs> and so I, I got in touch with uh, colleagues at Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency and asked them, if there'd be an interest in us going to collect that and test it, you know, the idea being likely HPAI, highly, path, uh, highly pathogenic avian influenza. And so Jamie Federson with TWRA got back in touch with me and says, yeah, if you can go get it, do it. So uh, Derek, I called Derek and we headed out and we had to find a set of uh, latex gloves here in the, uh, here at headquarters, which was an adventure in itself. Then we had to go rummaging through. gun people. Through. You go to the gun people. I didn't think about the gun people. I actually went to, I went, well, I went to Damn the, sure. I was going to, yeah, that's right. Uh, I went to, I went looking for our, our facilities managers, but I couldn't find them. They were probably managing our facilities somewhere and I couldn't find them. And so then I got in touch with the next person that I thought would know the most about everything here at DU, which is Greg Terrace, our director of all of our Shout print service stuff here. That's right. He does just incredible resource for us. And sure enough, he hooked me up with some latex gloves after a phone call or two to find out where the extra box was. And then Derek and I go rummaging through different uh, storage closets trying to find uh, this, this longer story than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> It is. Um, trying to find trash bags. And so we got a couple of trash bags. You could have just called me out and went and thrown in the back of my truck and brought it to you. Well, that wouldn't be as fun. You know, I would have gotten this story out of it. (laughs) And so, yeah, we head out there. And like, granted, three hours later, Derek and I both were expecting it to be smushed six or seven times. But no, still there. Pulled over on the side of the road and I run across. a nice shoulder there. It is. It is. (laughs) Ran across the the traffic. Didn't have to dodge too much. And put it in the bag and brought it back here. Here, and it's in a uh, undisclosed freezer here at National Headquarters. Tags, tags properly, of course. Uh, yes, of course. And w- awaiting uh, instructions, further instructions from TWRA for testing. Uh, but yeah, juvenile That's awesome juvenile that you put goose. that in the freezer with everybody's lunch. Hey. Like people bring in their <laughs> hot said, pockets for lunch. I said and undisclosed freezer. Meaning he doesn't want us to know which one. Undisclosed freezer. Highly pathogenic snow <laughs> Look, goose in the freezer. For all you know, we have a freezer here on, oh, on, yeah. on campus dedicated to those kind of things. You don't even have gloves. <laughs> I had <laughs> gloves. Dedicated freezer. I oh, mean, well. there is a freezer that has random taxidermy. I'm assuming that's the one you went I'll with. I'll never say. Never say. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it is double bagged. It is, uh, and I had permission from the person that manages that freezer to put it in there. They actually offered you. Put Dan it in this Thiel? Freezer? It was Dan no, Thiel? Nope, it was not. No, it was not Dan Thiel. <laughs> Couldn't say if it was. Um, we have that. Go. Oh, and then like an hour later, I got a call or, yeah, I got a call from Nick Smith, our GIS and remote sensing uh, analyst here at headquarters and and to say, hey, I just got a phone call from someone saying there's a dead buffalo head on a lake at over at Shelby Farms. Ah. He said, I'm going to go over there and see if I can recover it. Do you want to throw it in with the snow goose for testing? I said, sure. Let's, you know, get a full bag. Full, so full, full I bag just want to make a disclaimer here. Like, I don't think we want um, 
random people in the Shelby County area to start dropping off dead no, no, waterfowl. No, no. That's so, right. No, true. Thank just, you. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. Real that is quick. true. We hey, we get I get random phone calls of people wanting to know what to do with all sorts of different ducks that they encounter and feed and have I got a dead squirrel right outside my neighborhood entrance. I could bring that in, Mike. <laughs> nope. I don't have any need for that. I do appreciate it though. So that was the latest in terms of my experience with potential HPAI. We have heard some reports of 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 suspected HPAI cases. I was speaking with the state veterinarian from Arkansas earlier this week, and she's starting to hear a few things. And um, so, yeah, we're kind of expecting that to, uh, to to show up in some of these southern states now that birds are on the move into the area. I talked with Kelly Warren out in Oregon. He's a biologist for us out there. And he said they actually had, uh, I think we talked about mm-hmm. this previously. And so that they have seen a, a slowdown, I guess you'd say, in the number of, of, of symptoms reported, reports of symptomatic or dead birds. And so that's kind of the way we were hoping it would work out, you know, just a little short blip, plus a brief blip. And so we'll see, but we need, do need some rain. I think rain will help down here as snow geese are, are starting to um, show up all across these the southern landscape and we are in a lot of rain is in the forecast this week rain storms potential tornadoes straight line winds so it's going to be an interesting going to be a a wild western weekend sounds like out there Uh, let's see so there's that a quick update on duck dna we've now had close to four thousand applicants for that program appreciate everybody's interest in that we have made our final selection of participants for this year so if you go to that website now duckdna.com and click on apply now you'll get a a different message. It says, go ahead and enter your name, your email. Thank you for your interest. You will be on a list to receive email notifications next year as we kind of spool things back up and get it going next year. So even though we're no longer selecting participants for this year, we are still taking emails and names and going to get everybody uh, up to speed first to know on on all of the the happenings of that program next year. Uh, Let's see. What else? I got selected. You got selected. That was a just absolute random, um, <laughs> random selection. Now I got to find some mallards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I, uh, I did kill a mallard earlier. No, it was last weekend in North Central Mississippi, um, and it lost. was no, no. <laughs> you said it was a fatty. Wasn't it, it was fat. I mean, this. So I'm in North Central Mississippi. Pin race. Yeah. <laughs> I am very curious to see how those data come back. I really yeah. am. <laughs> My guess is that it's some local mallard. I mean, I don't know what local means in that highly. I mean that in that very it's the rural one that hangs landscape. out in my pool every summer. <laughs> it made its it way could down. be missing from somebody's backyard big? right now. Yeah, but I mean just it, an overall not, size, but, but not farmyard big. Yeah, you know. Okay, but it was it was a regular size mallard. It was had a full white ring around the neck. I think Phil has told us if they have an incomplete white ring around their neck, there's a good chance that it's got some game farm genes in it, but it's a complete white ring around the neck. I came in as a single shortly after that, had another five or six birds uh, fly around. We didn't even have decoys out because really we went there to deer hunt. And so it was one of those cases where I'd also was prepared for duck hunting and deer hunting. Uh, and so we went and sat in this little edge of the field where no decoys, just about the only water around and very isolated landscape, mostly wood ducks there. And this lone drake comes in and just sits right down or was about to sit right down, didn't give him the, the final chance to sit down. But And then I brought him home and was plucking him and one of the fattest ducks that I have ever seen. Oh, already depositing fat on the internal organs and um, 
So it's going to be interesting. You know, one possible explanation, because there's no managed, that, as far as I'm aware of, there's not... You don't have a no, God, golf courses around No there, golf no. course. There's no one that has... It's uh, a deer feeder. That's what I think <laughs> yeah. is most likely. Yeah. There's no one that has any type of intensively managed wetlands right around there. I think a deer feeder is the most likely uh, explanation. But he was full of corn. Know that. No, it was yeah. because it was early. He had, he had not been feeding, which mm. it was kind of weird. So yeah. don't know. That was... Anyway... Duck DNA, that bird is the tongue of that bird is yep. going off to duck DNA. And we'll try to remember to report back on what that bird was. So how did you get selected? <laughs> uh, manual control. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Just you flat control. out manual control. It's like nepotism. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, something's wrong if I'm not interested enough to be selected for the own program that I've uh, been so heavily involved in there. So want to make sure I'm, and we did learn some things for people that participate that may be, may, may be listening to this. I, I am aware that that there are some size upload uh, size limitations on the photos that you can that you can provide. I think it's like a five megabyte limit there, and and so it took me forever, uh, like repeated attempts to try to get one of the photos down below that five megabyte threshold. And so we came back and we talked with some of our IT folks, and we we're going to try to work on some code to compress those photos and make it quicker and easier to get some of that down. So that's the type of thing that we're doing this year, testing all these different things. I did it out in the field, uh, wanting to 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 want to make it so that it can be done in the blind. If you've got good cell reception, decent cell reception that you can do it in the blind right there. Um, and so we learned a few things and we're going to try to implement some changes and we'll continue to do that as, as we go forward. So yeah, that was what was going on cool. there. Let's see what else. Um, you did the world duck calling competition. You I didn't attended. compete. I, did. yeah, <laughs> I made it sound like you competed. <laughs> like, you no. just admitted yeah. earlier you can't call uh, very well. So. Well, you went and watched. <laughs> I went and watched. The first time I'd ever been over there, Wings Over the Prairie Festival in Stuttgart, Arkansas. It was a, it was a pretty cool that experience. That was the first time you'd been there? First time I'd ever been there. Mm. That's a, I haven't done it either. Oh, yeah. So it's, I haven't been in probably seven or eight years. But. So it's the starts it's the day after Thanksgiving. Weekend. Yeah. yeah, starts the day after Thanksgiving, and then the the world championship is Saturday. You know yeah. the um, the women's contest was that morning. The senior division then went, and then the world happened. And the winner, congratulations to all the winners. The only winner that I wrote down here because I was kind of in a rush to get down here. The uh, this year's world championship duck caller was Nick. If I get this right, I am sorry, Nick, but Nick Brickacheck. From how do we say it? We think what, what I think was, it was Shiler. Uh, so congratulations, Nick. Uh, the other cool thing about Nick is he is the chair of the Ducks Unlimited chapter for that that town. Oh, Skyler cool. Schuler. What do we say it was? <laughs> Sorry, I even tried to Google it. It wouldn't Dar pop up. So we tried. We tried. We couldn't. We couldn't find the proper pronunciation uh, to be guaranteed there. But congratulations! Thanks for all that you do for Ducks Unlimited. I appreciated the opportunity to be over there. Probably going to try to get back over there next year. Um, and let's see. I got a few things coming up, a few trips coming up, hunts and so forth. And then You're going with Winchester. Going with Winchester on a hunt in Louisiana. Then our good friends from Drake Waterfowl are also hosting us for a couple of days. So uh, those are the type of things that didn't really have an opportunity to do um, before I found myself in the... In this little podcast thing, so you take the you, you take the the good with the bad, right? The bad with the good. There you go. I'm not going to tell you. And like, what's the bad and yeah, good? I think, the you, bad? I think I think you know what the bad is. Uh, the, no, just more time than I ever imagined doing this kind of podcast stuff. But 
but yeah, appreciate all the work and partnership from from those folks, Winchester, Drake Waterfowl. Look forward to connecting with them. And then we got a few other things after the first of the year. Um, maybe Barstool. We're getting back in touch with Barstool. We will. First of the year. Yep. So we've got that coming out. And um, I think that's about it. Yeah, we got our little podcast hunt that he's not going to I will not be for. there. That's right. Maybe we'll do another one of these at my camp out, Chris. There you go. We'll replace you with John. You can have John in. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you have a planning meeting and a person's not there, they end up getting the lion's share of the, of the assignments, right? You know that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'll assume, you okay with that? I'll assume that okay? anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even remember what I have that that time. I know I'm going on a hunt. I can't remember what day it is. The 16th? The 15th? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be on a hunt with Onyx oh. in Arkansas. So Okay. Yeah. Very so good. I'm out that that certain time well hopefully we'll get water and ducks before then yeah yeah, yeah katie y'all you were telling you were saying here before we started recording that y'all is so dry y'all been pumping for what like 56 days 56 or something days yeah 56 days and we've got 70 percent of the water we wow. had this time last year well that's dry it is dry. dry. Well, hopefully with this rain coming in this weekend, that will top it off or at least get you close to it. Yep. There's a lot of things. rice out there. Deer just have given, a good time. Yeah. Given a lot of people that have not yet had much of an opportunity to get in and find some places to hunt, um, the, the opportunity to do so. Uh, obviously, you know, you get more water on the landscape. It's going to start to spread some of those birds around. It's going to give folks a lot of uh, lot more places to go. So that's a good thing. And, I mean, we've got about just under two months left for most of these southern states so we're kind of just getting started so yep. yeah it's a good thing it's a good thing uh we are we're not going to do a christmas show this year this is kind of our opportunity to say merry christmas happy new year to everybody thank you all for the support thank you all for listening and for telling other people about uh about what we're trying to do here bring y'all good information on everything related to uh well everything that ducks unlimited does everything that we hope our waterfowl hunting community and and conservation supporters are interested in as always send us messages send us suggestions to du podcast at ducks.org uh anything else katie chris i think we're good i think we're good merry no. christmas yep. everybody enjoy your christmas holiday yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see y'all on next, uh, I guess, January roundup after the first of the year. So thanks, y'all. Thanks. All right. We're just going to end it right there. Yeah. It's done. We're over. Bye. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.